Hello and welcome back to the Fantasy Playmakers. What's up guys? In today's video, I'm going to be going through my rest of season rankings for the running back position. We're four weeks into the season, almost a quarter of the way in. So I think this was kind of an appropriate time to readjust my rankings moving forward. So this is going to include, you know, injuries, how that's going to factor into the rest of the season, all of that stuff. While you guys are watching this, if you're enjoying the content, please just hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. But let's just get right into my top 30 rest of season running backs. And I'm going to start it off from the top. Number one, I'm going to have Derrick Henry. I would have Christian McCaffrey here, but he is still dealing with an injury. He could miss one week, two weeks, maybe even three more weeks. So I'd rather have Derrick Henry, who's going to be 100% healthy moving forward. Henry's ceiling has been raised a ton this year due to his involvement in the receiving game. I really don't think anyone saw this coming. If you were drafting Derrick Henry, it was just probably for his overall usage on the ground, his consistency, his workload, and really just never being injured. And I mean, that was a totally fair reason to draft him. But now you've kind of just walked in to this new receiving role. Obviously, he's not like a Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey, but just adding that extra facet to his game is really something that can elevate him to be the number one overall running back on the season. After Derrick Henry, I have Delvin Cook, and he's really the only other player right now I would take over Christian McCaffrey for the rest of the season. And same thing for Derrick Henry. It's just because they're going to be healthy potentially for the next 13 games of the season. Delvin Cook has basically done what we expected from him coming into the year. When he's healthy, he is the workhorse of that offense. He's going to have a solid role in the receiving game. He's going to be getting a ton of volume on the ground, and I just don't see why that would change moving forward. Then at number three, I have Christian McCaffrey. I talked about him in my buy low video that I recorded a few days ago. If you guys can go out and acquire Christian McCaffrey right now, I think you should 100% because when he is on the field, there is no one who has a higher ceiling. If he's healthy for, you know, 16, 17 games, the man has a legit shot to put up 1,000 receiving yards and 1,000 rushing yards. His usage has been great to start off the season, and I've actually gone out and acquired him in at least one of my leagues. I think I said this in the buy low video, but I would be trading any player not named Derrick Henry or Delvin Cook straight up for Christian McCaffrey because you may have to sit him, put him on the IR for a week or two, but when he comes back, he is going to be the running back one for the rest of the year. So he comes in at number three. Then at number four, I have Aaron Jones. I was super high on him coming into the season. I still feel great about him moving forward. He doesn't have, you know, the same quality of workload that a guy like Derrick Henry, Dalvin Cook, or McCaffrey will have when they're on the field, but he's on this high-powered offense. He gets work on the ground. He gets work in the air. He's very efficient, and he's going to have a lot of red zone opportunities on this top-tier Packers offense. So I love Aaron Jones moving forward. Then at number five, I have Austin Eckler. He has basically done exactly what you wanted from him coming into the season. I think in my final sets of rankings, I had Austin Eckler ranked as my RB7. And I thought there was kind of a fairly wide range of outcomes. I think he had a legit shot to come in and finish as the number one overall running back. If he was able to take over the red zone work, you know, get the majority of the carries and then use his receiving upside which we knew he had, and he has done a great job of really just commanding almost every touch out of that backfield. But that definitely wasn't a guarantee coming into the season, and he still doesn't have that total monopoly over the touches, but he is such a good receiver out of that backfield 
that gives him a great floor. Plus, he has been getting a lot of opportunities close to the goal line, which is definitely going to help his touchdown upside for the rest of the season. So he is a locked in mid to high end RB1 for the rest of the year. Then at number six, I have Alvin Kamara, and he's been pretty disappointing to start off the season. And it's kind of crazy because if coming into the season, someone told you Alvin Kamara is going to be consistently getting 20 plus carries a game, you probably would be ecstatic with that. But for some reason, he has this huge workload on the ground and his receiving role has just totally vanished. Derrick Henry has more targets on the season, which is just crazy. No one would have expected that coming into the year. Hopefully this is just kind of a few game thing and he's going to be able to bounce back. Maybe Michael Thomas returning can help him out, but that's not going to be until week seven. So the workload on the ground is great. Hopefully he can just start to work back into the receiving game because that's really where Alvin Kamara had his major upside. At number seven, I have Saquon Barkley. And if you drafted Saquon, I feel like you've got to be feeling great. If you selected him to your team, you had to expect he was going to have a slow start. That was the risk, you know? He may not be healthy for week one, may not be healthy for week two. He ends up playing in both of those games, doesn't play well, you know, doesn't have a huge snap share. Then week three, week four, you're seeing the Saquon Barkley of old. He's getting almost every touch out of that backfield. Looks great in the receiving game. And moving forward, you have a mid-tier running back one. And for the price you drafted him at, that is probably very solid value considering he was going in the late first round once we were getting closer to the season. At number eight, I have Ezekiel Elliott and he's really been a roller coaster all season. You know, week one, I think a lot of people didn't expect him to play well. He didn't against that tough Bucks defense. And so a lot of people started panicking. I was like, you should be buying low on Ezekiel Elliott. Then he goes into week two, you know, puts together a solid game, but it was a heavy, heavy split with Tony Pollard. And at that point, I was like, oh, I probably want to be moving Zeke. You know, I don't love the direction this is going. But then week three, week four, he has looked fantastic. They've kind of phased away from Tony Pollard. Obviously, he's still getting work, but Zeke is still clearly the bell cow back. And with this Cowboys defense playing at a much higher level than expected, they can keep feeding Zeke. They don't have to be throwing the ball 40 plus times a game. So I love Zeke moving forward in this Cowboys offense. After Zeke, I have Najee Harris here at number nine. And if you drafted Najee Harris, you have to be pleased with what you've seen so far. I think a lot of people were expecting a very huge workload from Najee Harris, and that is exactly what you've gotten. He's taken almost 100% of the snaps at the running back position. I talked about this coming into the season. Those probably aren't going to be super efficient touches. This offensive line is terrible. Big Ben just doesn't really have a lot of respect throwing the ball down the field. So, you know, he's going to be getting three, four yards every single carry, if that. But what's really been nice for Najee Harris owners is he's established himself as a nice receiving back out of this backfield. And since Ben struggles to push the ball down the field, Najee Harris has just become a huge check down option for him. So Najee Harris, if he can maintain that workload throughout the season, should be locked in to finish as a running back one. Then to round out the top 10, I have DeAndre Swift here, and his receiving work has just been great. Like if you could have drawn out, you know, how this Detroit Lions offense would run in terms of fantasy, this has basically been perfect so far. You knew as a whole, the offense wouldn't be high scoring, but that's why you needed DeAndre Swift to rely on work in the receiving game. And he has been one of the most targeted running backs this season. And it means he doesn't have to be super efficient or get into the end zone on the ground 
because that receiving work is going to give him a really safe floor. I think throughout the season, he's going to continue to eat into Jamal Williams' workload and should continue to put up you know, these borderline RB1 numbers for the rest of the year. At number 11, I have Joe Mixon, and he probably would have been moved up a few spots if he wasn't currently dealing with an ankle injury. I don't expect him to play this Sunday. You know, maybe he misses one, maybe two games, but he just gets moved back a few spots because the injury concern is there. But when he's been on the field, his workload has been right up there with Najee Harris. He's probably had a little bit less receiving work than Najee, actually a lot less receiving work than Najee, but he's definitely had more touchdown opportunities because this Bengals offense as a whole has been better. So once Joe Mixon is on the field, I'd be expecting probably mid-tier running back production when you have him in your lineup. And then to round out the RB1s, I have Nick Chubb here at number 12. Nick Chubb's a little bit of a frustrating player to own. I personally don't have him in any of my leagues, but he's one of these guys where he can go for stretches without getting into the end zone. And if you're playing in half point or full point PPR, that can really hurt you in your lineup. Because in terms of a successful NFL day, he could go out there, 18 carries, 100 yards. You look at the stat sheet, you say, oh, that's great, but he's not getting that receiving work. That's going to Kareem Hunt. And so if he doesn't get into the end zone, you're looking at maybe 10, 12 points if he gets a reception in there. So that's not great for fantasy, but he's going to have his games where he goes for 120 yards, two rushing touchdowns. And then you're going to remember why you drafted Nick Chubb likely as a first round pick. Then breaking into the high-end RB2s, I have Jonathan Taylor here at number 13. He's definitely been a little bit disappointing to start off the season, and a lot of that has just been due to the volume. The volume that he was seeing towards the end of last year, where he really had his huge breakout, has just not been there. He's been splitting carries with Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. You know, they're not taking over a huge portion of the touches, but it's more so that this Colts offense has not been great, and they've been trailing in a lot of games which obviously you can't be relying on the run game down the stretch if you're down, you know, a touchdown plus. He did finally have his first really solid game in week four. So hopefully he can continue to build on that and this offensive line can start to get healthy. Then at number 14, I have Antonio Gibson. And I believe this is exactly where I had him coming into the season. I got a lot of criticism for having him as my RB14. A lot of people liked him a lot higher, RB10, RB11, RB12. And for me coming into the season, the concern with Antonio Gibson is I kind of felt like everyone assumed he was going to turn into a three down back. And it's definitely been frustrating because we know he has that skill set. He basically was a wide receiver when he played in college. So we know he can be a top tier receiver out of the backfield, but that's just not what the Washington football team has shown us from him. They want to use him as a first, second down, you know, maybe third and short type of guy. But the issue with Antonio Gibson is that his ceiling is just very capped because he's not going to be in on those two-minute drills when they're behind. He's not going to be out on the field as much as J.D. McKissick. So even though he's still a high-end RB2 moving forward, I just think his ceiling is capped from what a lot of people were expecting coming into the season. At number 15, I have Daryl Henderson. And this may seem high to some people, but I am a huge fan of Daryl Henderson moving forward. I've acquired him in a few different leagues. When you just look at the snap share for Daryl Henderson, he is on the field for 90 plus percent of the snaps. He is a very underrated monopoly over his backfield. You know, you hear a lot about Najee, Joe Mixon. Daryl Henderson is right up there. And this is a great Rams offense. It's not like he's the workhorse for some offense with low touchdown upside. This is a top probably five offense 
in the Rams. And so moving forward, I honestly think he has a legit shot to potentially finish as a top 12 running back. He's getting his points everywhere. He's been fairly efficient. He's gotten into the end zone and he's had some solid work in the receiving game. So I absolutely love Daryl Henderson moving forward. And if you can acquire him from a league mate who still views him as like a low-end RB2, you guys should 100% be capitalizing on it. At number 16, I have Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and he's kind of in this weird spot where, you know, if you drafted him as like RB13, RB14, you may think like, oh, this doesn't seem too bad, but I do feel like there's a pretty big cutoff, maybe from like RB13, RB14 to Clyde here at number 17. But in the same sense, I think there's probably a pretty solid cushion between Clyde at RB16 and the guys I'm going to talk about at RB17, RB18, RB19. Clyde's fantasy performances the last two weeks have been very promising. The only issue is that he has gone down in his snap share every single week. So I do like that the Chiefs are sticking with him, but it does seem like they're moving more and more towards a running back by committee. It seems like they're way more inclined to use Daryl Williams as their goal line back, which obviously is not great for CEH. The upside of drafting him was that you thought he could be a three down back on a top tier offense. It just doesn't look like that is going to happen, but he's still someone who's a solid RB2 in your lineup, and he's definitely recovered from all the concerns surrounding him after his week two just abysmal game. After CEH, I have Chris Carson here at 17, and through three weeks of the season, you know, I was feeling pretty solid about Chris Carson. He was getting a ton of carries, you know, maybe not the receiving volume that you were likely hoping for, but he was still putting up some solid performances. Then week four, they go out, and all of a sudden, Alex Collins is getting a huge share of the carries, seemingly out of nowhere. Now, you know, he's potentially a game-time decision for Thursday night football. So recently, things haven't been great for Carson, but I still think when you look back at the season, he's going to finish as a mid-tier running back too, just like he does every single year. He's on a great offense and should continue to be a solid RB2 play moving forward. At number 18, I have James Robinson, and he has definitely quickly risen up these rankings. You know, coming into the season, he was probably right in this range, RB18, RB19, you know, probably like a fourth round pick in my opinion. But then first two weeks, it was not looking good. Week one, he was basically in a dead even split with Carlos Hyde on a bad offense, and that was very concerning right away. Then week two, he definitely saw some more touches than Carlos Hyde. But still, it was like this offense didn't look great. Are they ever going to be leading in games to really rely on James Robinson? Then week three and week four, the man absolutely balls out. So I still don't feel great about him as like a high-end running back two moving forward because a lot of the concerns are still there. This offense isn't going to be great. He's not going to be rushing for two touchdowns every game like he did in week four. But still, you know, if you drafted him and have held on to him, you know, you've probably kind of dodged a bullet from selling him low which is great to see because now you can definitely rely on him in your lineup moving forward. After J-Rob, I have Kareem Hunt here at number 19. And I feel like if you drafted Kareem Hunt, you've probably gotten what you were expecting, maybe even a little bit more. His week three and week four performances have been great. And I feel like this is kind of just what you're going to get out of the Browns offense. Sometimes it's going to be frustrating if you're a Kareem Hunt owner and they're just entirely relying on Nick Chubb. Other times it's going to be rough if you're a Chubb owner because they're sometimes giving those red zone carries to Kareem Hunt. It's just going to happen. But at the end of the year, you know, when it all shakes out, I think Nick Chubb's going to be a borderline RB1 and Kareem Hunt's probably going to be a safe, you know, mid-tier running back too. 
So that's kind of where I have both of those guys. Then at number 20, I have Chase Edmonds. And Chase Edmonds has been a very interesting fantasy play this year because, you know, coming in, there was some hope that he could be the workhorse. You know, the Cardinals were kind of hyping him up like that, but then they brought in James Conner. And my initial thoughts going into the season was, okay, James Conner's probably going to be getting most of the red zone work. Chase Edmonds is basically going to have a monopoly over the receiving work out of that backfield. And then if you're drafting Chase Edmonds, you're kind of hoping he gets probably 60% of the carries maybe, and that hasn't happened. James Conner has outcarried him, I think at least 10 touches, which obviously isn't great. But I mean, Chase Edmonds is currently the RB12 in PPR scoring, and he hasn't even gotten into the end zone. I think if anything, the touches are going to continue to move in Chase Edmonds' favor. He's just looked much better overall, and he may never get you know, that full-on red zone work, but he's still a very reliable running back too in half point and full point PPR scoring formats. And I just think he's going to continue to put up solid production throughout the rest of the season. And the touchdowns are going to come. This is a top tier Cardinals offense. And so he's honestly been fairly unlucky to not reach the end zone once considering the amount of points this team has scored. Now we're here at running back 21. And I think this is where it kind of gets real shaky. I feel like coming into the year, Every single person in your fantasy leagues, if you're playing in like a 12-man league, you probably want to have two solid running backs that you can really trust. And at this point in the season, there are probably going to be at least a few teams who have not kind of reached that number. Because here at 21 with Josh Jacobs, do I love Josh Jacobs as my RB2 in my lineup? Most definitely not. He does come in here just because he's going to be getting that volume on the ground. He actually saw an increased receiving role in week four. Do I think that's going to carry on in the future? Probably not, but you're just not going to find someone who's getting this many touches on a consistent basis this late. They may be inefficient, but the volume is still going to be there. So he's going to be a low-end RB2 for me. Then at 22, I have Miles Sanders, and I think it's pretty fair to classify him as a disappointment. Even if you were drafting him in this RB22 range, he's just been very inconsistent. After week one, you probably thought it was pretty promising then week two, week three, week four, just not a lot of upside out of Miles Sanders. This Eagles team is just not running this offense through him at all. And I think you probably had to expect some sort of committee coming into the season, but I think you still had to hope he was getting some of the receiving work. The receiving work really isn't there. A lot of that is going to Kenneth Gainwell. And then the overall volume on the ground has also been fairly non-existent. So hopefully he can pick it up. But if not, you know, he's probably a low-end RB2 that you just don't really trust moving forward. At number 23, I had David Montgomery, and he was one of the toughest players to rank here because he is dealing with an injury. If he was healthy, he's probably, you know, maybe RB13, RB14 range, but he's not. He's supposed to return in about four to five weeks. That's a large, large chunk of the season. So, you know, I could see an argument that he should be moved lower, but I think having a player who's going to be ready, you know, maybe for the last eight weeks of the season and is a borderline or running back one is probably more valuable than having some of the guys I have after him, like Javante Williams, Cordero Patterson. Like those chunks of weeks that David Montgomery is healthy are probably going to give you more to your lineup and give you more of an edge over your opponent than the next 12, 13 weeks of production out of Javante Williams. That's kind of the way I looked at it. And that's why David Montgomery comes in here at number 23. I just mentioned him, Javante Williams here at 24. Right now, he is in a dead even split with Melvin Gordon. So at this point, you know, if I was looking at my week five rankings, 
he would probably not be in this number 24 spot. He would likely be lower. But the thought process here is that he's probably going to earn more work throughout the season. Remember, I expected this to be a full-on committee. But if you're just looking at this from the Broncos perspective, you have Melvin Gordon on the last year of his contract. So I thought he was going to be involved. But towards the end of the season, that's when they're really going to start to give the reins over to Javante Williams. So he's someone whose value is likely going to be increasing almost every single week moving forward. Then at 25, I have Cordero Patterson, another really tough guy to rank here. Just because the production he's had so far as the running back two in fantasy football just doesn't even come close to his volume. You know, the two just don't match up at all. The amount of points he scored compared to how much he's been on the field, how many touches he's had, it really just makes zero sense. So I think he's going to be in this range for the rest of the season. You know, borderline running back two. If you can sell high on him, please do it. At 26, I have Damian Harris, another kind of tough guy to rank here because I feel like there's so many different avenues this season could go for Damian Harris. Started off getting a lot of the volume on the ground. Then the last few weeks, he's basically been non-existent. So we could definitely continue going down that path of being someone you just don't trust in your lineup. But if they start to give him, you know, 15, 16, 17 carries a game like they were doing towards the beginning of the year, then he's someone who could regain a lot of value. And when you're looking at that running back room, you just have to assume he's going to be getting some more work, maybe not in the receiving game because they do have Bolden, but on the ground, he's just clearly the top option. So there's definitely a little bit of risk here, but he's going to come in as a high-end RB3. At 27, I have Leonard Fournette, and it's always going to be tough to be ranking this Buccaneers backfield because when Giovanni Bernard comes back, Leonard Fournette's ceiling is going to fall off a lot because if he's not getting that receiving work, he definitely is far less valuable. The thing is, at this range, you're just not going to have a lot of running backs who have the potential to lead their backfields on top-tier teams. So that's why he's here at 27. And basically, kind of the same explanation is going to apply for Zach Moss here at 28. He's honestly in a fairly similar situation to Leonard Fournette. Him and Singletary are in an almost dead-even running back by committee. So far, Zach Moss has been able to get into the end zone more often than Devin Singletary. So that's why he kind of slightly edges him out here. Then at 29, I have Mike Davis, and he's someone I really liked coming into the season. He definitely hasn't had the start I was hoping for. In PPR leagues, he hasn't been a terrible start. You know, he scored in double digits in all four of the games. Hopefully when Cordero Patterson starts to cool off, which is seemingly inevitable at this point, Mike Davis can kind of start to get some of that positive touchdown regression. Right now, if you're a Mike Davis owner, which I do have him in at least two leagues, we're really just going to have to hope that he can kind of hold off the majority of the carries from Cordero Patterson and Wayne Gallman. And then once they start to get this run game going, that's definitely going to benefit him. The solid part is that he has also been involved in the receiving game. So I'm definitely not as high on him as I was coming into the season, but he still is going to crack the top 30. Then the last guy here at number 30 is going to be Miles Gaskin. I mean, I don't even know where to start with Gaskin. The first, you know, two, three weeks of the season, it was looking solid. He wasn't the workhorse. And if you drafted him, you know, you probably knew he wasn't lined up for that spot. That's definitely where his upside was if he could take over that role. But still, you know, he was the top receiving back. Then week four, he essentially gets benched for Malcolm Brown and then also Salvin Ahmed as a backup. Really just doesn't make sense. I think the hope here is that once Tua comes back, he really relied on Miles Gaskin as a check down guy then Gaskin's value can start to go up. But right now, you know, if we're talking about locked in workload, 
Gaskin probably has the least of anybody on this list. I even considered moving Melvin Gordon ahead of him. But then when I look at Gordon, you know, I barely value him as a top 30 running back plan a week to week basis. And if I think he's going to be losing touches, Miles Gaskin's ceiling is still just much higher. But really week four was just a major blow if you are a Miles Gaskin owner. So those are my top 30 rest of season RB rankings. If you guys enjoy the content, please hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Let me know your thoughts down below in the comment section. I'm going to be putting out a similar video for the wide receivers today and then quarterbacks and tight ends tomorrow. So look out for all of that. Thank you guys for stopping by and I'll see you next time.